Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Today, Bayern blow up Dortmund in classic fashion with a little bit of help from TNT. There's also an in-depth look at the relegation battle and we wonder why have Rose's guns stopped knocking on the Champions League door? All of this and much more in today's Beer and Honey. Welcome, dear listener. I'm Raphael Honigstein. And I'm Christoph Biermann. And we bid you a warm welcome to this very special Beer and Honey edition. You might call it a classic, even if it wasn't much of a contest in Munich. But before we go to that, let me please remind you that we need your support. Please become a member, if you can, of the Beer and Honey Supporters Members Club. Or even better, become an ultra and get one of those very special B&H coffee mugs with two more mugs on the mug, Christoph and I uh, can be your breakfast companions, at least in our logo shape. If you want to help us, we would much appreciate your help. But let's get on and let's start in Munich. Christoph, we will talk about Thomas Tuchel's first game back in the Bundesliga in a moment. But you first want to tell us something about Bundesliga 2. Yes, yes, because I was really, really impressed by the Friday match between Fortuna Düsseldorf and Hamburg. Um, Why? Yeah, um, because um, Hamburg was supported by almost 25,000 people. And uh, as you know, it's not a local derby. It's 400 kilometers between uh, Hamburg and Düsseldorf. But the reason why so many um, Hamburg supporters were there, they were celebrating the birthday of the HSV Supporters Club. And the Supporters Club is an organization within the uh, club and um, I think they have something like over 60,000 members. So, so um, if, if you become a Hamburg member and say I become a member because I support the football team, you become a member of the supporters club. And, and, um, and I found it very telling about um, German fan culture in a very positive way, how clubs are supported, how how close the connection between uh, fans and and clubs can be, and uh, uh, just just to I mean the it was a two two, two draw, so um, Hamburg uh, still on third in the second uh, division, as we know a very difficult and dangerous uh, position because as a third uh, of the second uh, division you play from the. Th- play against a third uh, from the bottom of the Bundesliga uh, for the last spot in the Bundesliga. And um, last year, um, Hamburg uh, played against Hertha. Uh, and as we know, Hertha stayed up and uh, Hamburg stayed down. But but yeah, that's, that's just before we go to the big match. And um, how did you like it? I mean, I mean, not emotionally, because we. I, I think we know that you were happy that Bayern was winning. But uh, how, how did you like the the overall thing? I'm not sure I liked it that much, 
from a neutral point of view because the game was over so quickly. <laughs> yes. Uh, 23 minutes. It was all done. And I spent the last sort of 70 minutes just kind of watching and thinking, I've seen this game a million times before. So didn't enjoy it that much for that reason. Of course, the locals enjoyed it. Of course, Bayern supporters enjoyed it very much. Thomas Tuchel enjoyed it very much. Dortmund, not so much. But let's unpick this game. Dortmund started really well. They were very dominant. They didn't create much, but Bayern looked quite passive, looked quite nervous. And afterwards, it was revealed that they were suffering from nerves, which is not something you really associate Bayern with, especially in, in a game like this. But the combination of a new manager and some new ideas from the manager and the manager himself admitting to being very, very nervous on the touchline seemed to spread anxiety a little bit. And Dortmund, at least in terms of the optics, took advantage and played with a bit of swagger. But then, I don't know, I think it's it could be one of the most important own goals ever scored in the Bundesliga happened. Would you agree? At least it was... Yes, probably, and and uh, I would say it it was is one it was one of the most spectacular own goals because there was this long ball that was meant to be a pass from Diod Upamecano, and um, Gregor Kobel in uh, came out of the, the the penalty box and missed the ball, and so he did, he did touch it. Uh, but, but very, 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 very slightly. I, I saw that was a reason because it, it was uh, seen as an own goal. Technically an own goal. The question is, why did he go out in the first place? He doesn't know either. Uh, and he said it because he, he, he said it was a wrong decision to, 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 go, uh, to go there. And um, I think never again in his life he will miss uh, a ball like this and probably never before in his life he has missed a ball like this. And um, yeah, so it was a complete freak um, uh, accident or incident. And, uh, and as you said, it was very, very important because from then on, um, the, the game took a completely different direction. Why did Dortmund collapse so badly after going 1-0 down. I mean, it's not the end of the world. Yes, it was a very freakish goal to give away. Yes, they've been in this situation before, having lost every single game in the league since 2014 there. You still have 80-odd minutes to get back into it. Yeah, but the, the, the second goal came... Came came early after that after, after um, the corner a typical Thomas Müller <laughs> shit goal I would say so maybe we have a uh, we have a uh, he, he had the chance to have another um, expression from learning Fußball Deutsch learning Fußball Deutsch with beer and honey. And that is um, the expression Kaktor. And uh, I think I translated it. Uh, is shit goal also used in 
in English. Now, I, 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 what's the what, what would be the equivalent of a shit goal? Uh, I mean, maybe some gastroenterologists uh, have this expression, <laughs> but um, there isn't really there isn't really one. And I'm racking my brains. So the, the, the idea, idea that the goal is so bad, it's hardly a goal at all. Be like a rubbish goal, you know. Yeah. So, so, but, but uh, Thomas Müller has a talent for, for this kind of goals, just um, as he did standing in the way and somehow the, the ball bumping from, from his leg into, into the goal. So it was 2-0 uh, very soon. And I, I, I don't know if, if they actually collapsed. I didn't, I didn't have, have the, um, so from, from watching it, on the television only, um, I didn't have the impression that they were, were like as desperate as uh, we have seen them in recent performance at the Allianz Arena. Um, but, but they uh, let all the th uh, first three chances uh, go in. Um, there was um, another, I would say, Kobel mistake with a long-range shot and that uh, was deflected by Kobel and then Thomas Müller again scoring his second, uh, scoring Bayern's uh, third. And um, and uh, especially after this, yeah, it, it was right, it broke them in a way and took them a long time uh, to recover from. And um, Learning yeah, Fußball Deutsch quickly. Ah, okay. Learning Fußballdeutsch with beer and honey. There was a Abstauber Tor. What's the equivalent of an Abstauber Tor oh, in English? There's no literal translation. Uh, what it means is a poacher's goal or goal hanger's goal. But do you know the etymology of Abstauber? No, I don't. So, as you said, it means to kind of dust off. Apparently, apparently, it goes back to. People working in a bakery who would use the leftover dough and flour then to bake some stuff for themselves. Okay. Whether that's true or not, I have no idea. Well, it's a good story. It's I a mean, good story. And a convincing one. So. <laughs> okay, you didn't feel as if they collapsed. I thought they did. Thomas Müller said he spoke to some of the Dortmund players. I mean, Müller speaks to everyone on the pitch, so it's not a huge <laughs> surprise. And he said they did feel after the first goal that it's like, oh my God, what is happening to us? And uh, we're trapped in this nightmare that was unfolding, especially with all the backstory. I mean, I before the game even, because of I... Remember the last time Dortmund came to Bayern with a real chance of winning the title? That was in 2018 when Niko Kovac was in charge. I think they were level on points. It was also April. And do you remember what happened then? Mm, no, tell me. So Dortmund played really well for about 10 minutes. <laughs> then Bayern scored and it finished 5-0 for Bayern. And Dortmund ah, completely okay. yes, collapsed. Yes, yes. I, now and I remember. Yeah. This game mm -hmm. was similar in many ways. And I think that if Bayern had played with the same focus and intensity in the second half and Tuchel hadn't made all these substitutions to keep everyone happy, 
we could have easily looked at another five, six, seven nil. Dortmund were just gone by then. We have to give them some credit because after Kingsley Coleman made it four, they did sort of come back into it a little bit. They scored two consolation goals, but it was more Bayern being kind of switched off at that point than, than anything else. And it was yet again a, non, a non-contest. And I think what's worrying for Dortmund, maybe for the rest of the league, is that you still felt that this was a very half-baked performance, to go back to our bakery <laughs> metaphors, from Bayern, mm-hmm. because there were a lot of mistakes. There was that nervous period. They looked quite sloppy with all the substitutions later on. Uh, they were all very self-critical after the game. I spoke to Leon Goretzka, to Joshua Kimmich, to Thomas Müller, and they were all saying, yeah, we could have played a lot better. Uh, we made a lot of mistakes. It was quite wild at times. So if a new manager in charge with only 48 hours and a system that doesn't really work uh, fully yet and a team that's not playing at their best completely sort of almost humiliate Dortmund or came close to humiliating Dortmund, what hope is there for this league? Yeah, none. I mean, I, 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 was, I, I was optimistic um, for about five minutes. And, and that was, I think, um, after the last match day, before Bayern decided <laughs> to, to, to change their, their, their manager. And um, because uh, that was when Dortmund was winning 6-1 and you could feel, I was at the, West, uh, at the Westfalenstadion and, and everybody was so enthusiastic and you could see something building up and I think um, we, we will talk about the impact that Tuchel actually had on this game uh, um, uh, a bit later on. But I think also psychologically that they changed their manager and everybody had the, uh, from far away the impression, I think they have the better man now uh, compared to, to, to Nagelsmann also. And, and, uh, and, and we can also can leave out this complicated relationship or, um, torn relationship between Borussia Dortmund and Thomas Tuchel and that there might be some revenge aspect, uh, to it because they, uh, were falling out spectacularly, um, before, uh, Tuchel had to leave. And so, um, uh, so, so there's five minutes of momentum Borussia Dortmund seemed to have. My, my impression was already gone before uh, the start of the uh, the game, and then, as you mentioned, the, uh, this this mistake, this c- crazy error by uh, Gregor Kobel, I think was like the oh yes, ah yeah yeah. We're here again, uh, as you said, trapped in this nightmare and it's happening again. And now it's Tuchel on the bench and celebrating against us, blah, blah, blah. And um, yeah, um, yeah, there is no hope. <laughs> so the, the lesson for the league here really is this. Don't schedule Bayern Dortmund after a international break because without the international break, Julian Nagelsmann doesn't go skiing. And without him going skiing, as Uli Hoeneß, the honorary president, told us uh, yesterday, 
maybe he'd still be in the job. Maybe Bayern don't have time to get Thomas Tuchel. And maybe the momentum still carries Dortmund into this game. So scheduling mistake there possibly from the DFL. But I think we should talk about Thomas Tuchel. I agree with you. I didn't get the sense of revenge or even a special relationship between him and the players or the club. I think too much time has passed since then. Relations have been smoothed over somewhat between him and Hans-Joachim Watzke, the Dortmund CEO. He talked about the fact that they had a middleman sort of reconciling them, even though they haven't met face-to-face yet. It didn't feel like a massive factor in this game. Was Tuchel a factor in this game beyond the fact that he is not Julian Nagelsmann? What I found interesting, there is a new metric that is provided by the uh, German Football League, by the DFL, and it's called ball recovery time. And they were comparing the numbers under Nagelsmann and the one in in the first game and only game of uh, Tuchel against Borussia Dortmund. And um, in average, um, Bayern recovered the ball under Nagelsmann after 12 seconds. And and now under uh, Tuchel, it was over 20, 21, and in the second half, uh, 23 seconds. And I think it's it's a very telling number because it shows the, the approach um, that Tuchel has chosen, not to be so aggressive high up to, to catch the ball, but more to play more composed, more in order, more patient. And um, and Marco Reus was saying something interesting. And, and I think that was a result from what, what I tried to describe here is um, that they got a lot of counterattacks because uh, Bayern was uh, playing from deeper out. And, and I think it was a clever mood because... Um, although they conceded the two goals in uh, towards the end of the game, um, they l- didn't look as vulnerable as uh, as they 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 looked before. And we we talked about these shaky performances that they had. And I think this more conservative or more pragmatic or more defensive approach by Tuchel uh, was really helpful, especially under the circumstances with the with the. Anxiety or, or nervousness uh, that they had. Yeah, Marco Royce would have been in a perfect position to observe all of this. Um, <laughs> very, very limited involvement of his own. But uh, nevertheless, I think it is a it is a very pertinent observation, and it was interesting because this was the kind of buy and win and kind of buy and performance that we've seen before. But the style was very different, as you said. It was. Not uh, let's smash them out of this stadium and press them and, you know, completely dominate them. But they were quite happy to sit back a little bit, to be uh, controlling the game without the ball. Um, Ironically, almost the kind of game plan that Ancelotti tried to implement when he moved to Bayern, when he said, "Okay, stop with this crazy pressing already, just relax a little bit. And uh, give yourself some some space and some some energy to attack when you have the ball, and that was Tuchel's first first big idea uh, for this Bayern team. I later found out that he'd basically said to them uh, just a few very simple things. Uh, one of them was attack with five players, defend with five players, and make sure that 
those two parts of the team kind of protect each other, which I'm sure some of the players are thinking, what does that actually mean? But because they are Bayern players, I think it didn't take them so long to figure out. And one of the consequences, for example, was that Joshua Kimmich really played as a holding midfielder. And and the, the other five attackers, when he didn't have the ball, they were just trying to be another row of defenders ahead of the, the other five. So it just made Bayern uh, quite compact. And... I think also the back four, psychologically, even if it didn't have, even if it's not that big a change from that hybrid system that uh, Nagelsmann was playing, I think just psychologically the fact that Bayern have a more simple, um, a clearer setup out of possession, I think it just makes it a little bit easier. And I think that is the thing that makes Tuchel a better manager in 2023, the Nagelsmann, I think Nagelsmann understands the game just as well. But I think Tuchel, with his experience, has figured out ways of getting his ideas across more effectively. And if that means simplifying them to a level where even you and I think, okay, well, I could have said that to them. <laughs> um, so so be it, because of course that is just a starting point. Yeah, I, I think it, it it will be become more complex and and more interesting and and more interesting to watch. And um, there is one aspect of of uh, of how Tuchel is approaching um, the work with his team. He is not thinking in in systems. Um, he is uh, thinking in abilities of players so he is like okay i have player x y that what are they actually good at or particularly good at where do i put them on the pitch um, that brings out the best of their qualities and then he, he i think he literally does it puts them somewhere and then he looks and finds uh, ah okay uh, and then we make it into a system and um, he, he couldn't do it, as you said, with, with two days uh, preparation time. And he, we won't see it in the next week. Uh, they already play this week uh, in the German Cup quarterfinal at home to, to, uh, to Freiburg. And um, uh, they have to go to Freiburg on, on Saturday. So, so, and then they play Manchester City. So I think it's, it, it, his approach will, in the first week, be, be very conservative and careful. But later on, I think we will see very interesting developments with this uh, uh, Bayern team. And uh, but as you said, no, that's all not good news for the for the Bundesliga. As long as we are expecting or hoping for a different uh, champion after after ten years. But is the thing decided now? D did you leave Munich with a feeling of uh, Borussia Dortmund is broken, hopeless, they don't believe they have a chance anymore? Or will after some days, will they think, yeah, we're only two, two points behind them. They have these games against Man City, probably later on against Real. Maybe they lose some energy there, blah, 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 blah. What, what, what's your impression? It, it, it felt over 
it felt as if this is this is it on Saturday night. It is not in terms of mathematics. Um, just one slip up from Bayern might be enough if Dortmund can recover that consistency that they've had. The accusation or the the problem that we've had with Dortmund in the past is not so much not beating Bayern, but they fail to beat the teams below them more consistently. So this is part of the story that they got right this season, and certainly in the second half of the season. And if they can continue to do that and win the next, whatever it is, uh, six, seven games in a row, then that might be enough. So it isn't over yet, but I agree with you with the combination of Tuchel and Bayern. They don't have many injuries at the moment. It feels kind of inevitable that he might even win every single game. Uh, do you remember his record? With Dortmund, when he came there, I think he never lost a home game in uh, in the Westfalenstadion until the bomb attack. I think I'm right in saying. And of course, a finished, similar with Chelsea. Yeah, when fin- he started. Yeah, with Chelsea, hardly conceded any goals with Chelsea. Um, so it's hard to imagine that Bayern will drop too many points with with Tuchel, but. Maybe it's worth reminding ourselves and our listeners that you and I predicted kind of the same dominance with Bayern under Nagelsmann, thinking, okay, they have the best German manager available at the moment. And of course, it didn't quite work out that way. Maybe things will between Tuchel and some players and Tuchel or the board will, will not be that easy and we will see them open the door again. But in the short run... I think it might be tough. There were many other interesting games going on uh, this weekend and also um, interesting situations at club, especially at Stuttgart, because as we talk, uh, Bruno Labbadia um, is still um, Stuttgart's manager, um, but like... Everybody is waiting uh, for the aches to come and um, uh, that he will be, be sacked. Um, Stuttgart is, is uh, uh, probably not today or not on Monday, not on Tuesday, because uh, on Wednesday they playing in the German Cup in the quarterfinal to second at second division uh, uh, Nuremberg. Um, but... Uh, After their 3-0 defeat at the Alte Försterei, it felt as if uh, his time is up. What, 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 what's your impression? Well, we've seen some really good teams lose against Union this season, especially away. So it, it feels almost harsh that this game might be the difference. Didn't they play actually quite courageously with good energy, with some chances Or was it the kind of game that ultimately you feel, okay, yeah, there's some things going right, but with this manager, it's not going to happen? No, it was exactly the opposite. Um, um, Bruno Labbadia afterwards said nobody can say that you couldn't see a well-prepared team. And, and he was right, because especially in the, in the first half, um, Stuttgart was by far the better team. They had... Two very good cold chances. Um, 
and also scored a goal that but that was rightly taken away from them because uh, uh, handball was was involved uh, while uh, union didn't have a a chance to score so so it's they actually looked like a very decent team but then in the second half you could see it was like um as if uh, union had been kind of sleeping the first 45 minutes and then were like okay now we have to start and um uh, t- t- 25 minutes later it was uh, uh, 3-0 but it was i wouldn't say it was a, an, an unjust result but it 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 felt it felt a bit tough it felt a bit like yeah things like this happen if you're at the bottom uh, of the table but um my my feeling was um it it, it would would be strange to uh, sack labadia um Although I mean we 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 don't we we're not in the dressing room we don't know what the atmosphere is maybe the uh, uh, things are the the atmosphere is not right between the players and the coach but but you couldn't couldn't see it on on the pitch and so um, there were these rumors immediately after um, after the game uh, that Labadia will be sacked and. Um, and 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 uh, Fabian Wohlgemuth, the sporting director, and the board they they didn't decide to do it until now, and um, yeah, because uh, probably they were also thinking mm, maybe it's a wrong situation, but it's very complicated for them because next um, on Easter Sunday uh, Stuttgart has to play at Bochum and. Um, uh, they almost have to win it um, to 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 also to to get Bochum back in into the relegation business. They are they they are good enough, but but um, uh, I think they have heard it too often in 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 recent weeks, and uh, so I I wouldn't wouldn't bet my money on anything here. Uh, if he stays, if if they sack him or or whatever, I think it's a very complicated situation. Yeah, when you when you started this pod, Christoph saying you wanted to talk about Bundesliga two, I was worried that for a moment you wanted to talk about Bochum, but of course Bochum are not in Bundesliga two, and they might not be in Bundesliga two either next season. Another point they picked up, a valuable point, away to Frankfurt which gives them now four points of breathing space towards the relegation playoff spot, which is still occupied by Hertha. They got a decent point against Freiburg. I mean, we've been very critical of Hertha, but they had chances. They could have won the game. They had probably a few one-on-ones. Hertha scored from a... Sorry, Freiburg scored from a free kick, but didn't really create all that much. Is it time to fly the blue and white flag a little bit again in Berlin? A little bit. But what 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 you can see in this relegation fight is is uh, there is no hopeless case involved. So every team has its qualities and um uh, Bochum look good right now. They picked up 7 points from the last 3 games. They were a bit lucky in Frankfurt but also could have won it. Um, Hoffenheim is back in the business. Uh, they were winning uh, uh, 2-1 at uh, Bremen, and that means they have 
um, they won two in a row and uh, showed their qualities. I, uh, I told you about Stuttgart and that they were actually pretty good. And um, and also Schalke is is uh, very decent. Maybe the big losers of, of, of the weekend in, in that respect were Schalke, losing uh, 3-0 at home uh, against uh, Bayer Leverkusen. But Bayer Leverkusen is maybe one of the hottest teams right now in the, in the Bundesliga. Um, together with Mainz, also winning 3-0 at, at Leipzig. But, but to sum this um, relegation struggle up, um, it's... It's it's very open, and um, all the teams have some qualities, and and it will be. Um, and now crunch time is coming. Who who will who will be able to sustain uh, the quality? Who will keep the nerves? And um, let's see. It's. Um, Uh, I think it's 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 very very open, uh, and I mean it for for all the bottom five teams. Yeah, I I agree with that. It's tight but open at the same time. Down at the bottom, um, Christoph, you mentioned Leverkusen as one of the hottest teams in the league. They won another game. They won at Schalke in a very convincing manner. Scoring three goals, playing some really lovely football. Is this now the Xabi Alonso machine or style emerging that we've been waiting for? I mean, they really are a joy to watch. Yeah, um, it, it, it looks like it, it, it took some time. Maybe it also took Florian Wirtz to come back. Um, it helps. Uh, yeah, it, it, it helps to have a player like him. He scored his first goal after his his long injury, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if they would qualify for for the for European football. Um, it it almost looks likely now. Um, I I think it's it's not the the gap is too big to qualify for the Champions League. I have an interesting number here because I looked it up um, uh, concerning Union Berlin. It would be so crazy to uh, to see them qualify for for the Champions League and imagine to have like maybe Manchester City or Real Madrid playing at the alte Försterei. It's it's uh, but. Um, 538 this um uh, the the website Nate Silver's uh, website that has uh, this very interesting soccer predictions um they they uh, see him with with an 81% chance to qualify for for the Champions League and and that's huge and um it also has to do with with the um failures of RB Leipzig. I think we have um, uh, to, to, uh, to talk about them as well. Um, they have now lost uh, three in a row, um, meaning uh, including their uh, 7-0 de defeat at, uh, at the Etihad um, against Manchester City with Erling Haaland scoring five goals and losing one nil in Bochum. And now 3-0 at home against Mainz. Mainz, as we know, the second best team in the Rückrunde in the second part of the season um, when it comes to points. And um, I was wondering if this is 
something like the Rose Band, like starting very good um, and then um, uh, running out of steam in a in a way. I think we, we've seen a, a bit of a similar pattern, not not after seven months, but but a similar pattern in Dortmund and also in in Mönchengladbach. What, what do you think about it? I think it'd be a bit harsh to say this is already a pattern that Rosa starts really well and then finishes really poorly. I mean, he had some sustained success in that first season with, with Gladbach. Things only became a little bit wrong in the second one when he decided to to leave to Dortmund. Um, and in Dortmund, we don't know if, what the second season would have brought because he was only there for one. Um, so... It is a bit bizarre. I mean, you look at the defense, for example, and it's the same players who, until recently, did a really good job. Joshua Guardiol there, the captain, Willy Orban, very experienced. Halstenberg, very experienced. Benny Henrichs, very experienced. And every single goal they scored, you're thinking, where is the defense? What are they doing? They're like, <laughs> they're just so far away. Uh, it's so easy for Mainz to score. We have to give some credit to our friend uh, Ajok, who's got this wonderful goal, which is really worth watching on on YouTube again. But patience is running very thin for uh, Rose's guns, I would say. Maybe there's some uh, something else we, we have to talk about, and that's not so much... Um, the um, uh, famous derby between Cologne and Mönchengladbach. Um, I like to refer to it to Rhein in Flammen, uh, Rhein in <laughs> Flames, <laughs> because uh, it's always so heated. And um, But there is a transfer ban for, for Cologne, and, um, and that would hurt them very, very much. So... Um, Maybe I give a bit of a background because in in January 2022, Cologne signed a youth player, Joka Subur Potocnik, and he came from Slovenia, from Olympia Ljubljana. His mother had terminated the contract with the club because uh, the family was allegedly unhappy about um Uh, what, what the club has said and what he had done. And so they had terminated the contract and Cologne uh, uh, um, stepped in and uh, signed him. And uh, Olympia Ljubljana complained to FIFA about it. And in this case, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm not a law specialist, but, but what we have here is a reversal of evidence Not Ljubljana had to prove that Cologne um, had uh, told the, the family, the mother, to breach the contract, but they have to prove that they didn't. And uh, from the perspective of FIFA, um, they, they weren't able to do it. And now uh, Cologne was handed a transfer ban for the next season. And uh, if this will actually happen, I mean, it was, would be a catastrophe uh, for the club. It's already now a catastrophe because um, um, as all the clubs do, you are in, on, in, in discussion with players and agents and about prospects and so on. And nobody right now will say, mm, 
I will sign a contract uh, with FC Cologne because um, I probably can can play there then, and I have a binding contract and 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 so on. Uh, what do you think about it? It's 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 a strange story, but but we we had similar ones with Barcelona, with with Chelsea, with Nantes, with, with uh, other clubs. Yeah, we've seen we've seen Chelsea transfer ban not before too long. That was the season that Frank Lampard came in and played really well with all these uh, young kids from the academy because they couldn't sign anyone. So it, it does happen. I have to look into this specific case a little, little bit more carefully before I can offer you a semi-qualified opinion on it. But rest assured, we'll keep a keen eye on this one. Well, I think we've covered all the bases, unlike Gregor Kobel with a very assured touch. And uh, we'll bid you goodbye for the time being. We'll be back with another edition of Beer and Honey next week, where we look back on all the happenings in the Bundesliga and indeed the German Cup quarterfinals as well. Until such time, please remember to support us, sign up for the Supporters Members Club, even better, become an ultra. And if you take out a season ticket as an ultra, you will get one of those world-famous, super-exclusive, once-in-a-million, special, super-duper coffee mugs or tea mugs with Christoph and me and the beer and honey logo and the ultra line on that mug. So sign up and get a mug as a reward. So thanks for listening once more. I was Rafael Honigstein. I was Christoph Biermann and we say bye-bye. Beer and Honey, the German football podcast.